The third poet that you'll be studying in this unit is Sonia Sanchez. She's a poet, playwright, professor, feminist, and social activist. She has authored numerous books of poetry, as well as short stories, essays, and plays. While she was born in Birmingham, Alabama in 1934, her mother died whenever she was an infant, and her maternal grandmother, who had then helped to raise her, died when Sanchez was just six. Sanchez attributes those profound losses to the development of a severe stutter that caused her to shy away from people, but at the same time, encouraged her to become an avid reader and to pay close attention to language and its sounds. When she was nine, she moved to Harlem to live with her father, where she excelled at school. She went to attend the Hunter College, where she received a Bachelor's Arts in Political Science. Sanchez was one of the most important and influential writers of the Black Arts Movement, a group of artists <clears throat> she became involved with during her postgraduate studies at New York University. Sanchez's work centers on a number of themes that distinguish the Black Arts Movements, including love, beauty, time, change, history, and music. Sanchez has been a sharp critic of the American educational system. More than a mere critic, however, she has also been a powerful advocate for Black Studies programs, which she viewed as both an important and valuable course of study, in addition to be a means of challenging institutional racism in education. In fact, in the late 1960s, she introduced the first Black Studies program offered at the university level at what is now known as San Francisco State University. Sanchez has published 19 books and has taught a number uh, at a number of universities. Over the years, Sanchez has received numerous awards for her writing, including the Robert Frost Medal for her contributions to American poetry. The poems you will consider in this part of the unit are from Sanchez's collection, Home Girls and Hand Grenades, which won the American Book Award. I know that this is a poet. We're reading about four poets. This is the third one. And you turn to this first selection and realize that it's prose. It's not something that looks like a poem. And as I begin to explore this, I haven't read it yet, but in sharing it with you and thinking about Sonia Sanchez as a poet, you'll realize that a lot of times whenever you have those poetic structures and images as resources because you understand poetry, you can weave it into your own writing and prose as well. I think also that we get an idea from this text about how Sonia feels about things and the way she looks at life that will help us interpret other poems that she writes. As a teenager, I was very shy. I always felt so conspicuous that I talked with my head down, walked with my head down, and would have slept with my head down if sleeping had demanded a standing position. It was with difficulty that I mustered up the courage to ask Mr. Castor again and again, but how do you factor that equation? I don't understand how it's done. And he kept pointing to the book and looking upward as if the combination of those actions would give me the immediate joy of an answer. A sound from the back of the class made me turn around. It was a people. The 
people who sat in the back and talked when they wanted to, ate their lunches when they wanted to, and paid attention when they wanted to. They were paying attention to Mr. Castor and me. And I shook. I always wanted to be inconspicuous around the, the people. Odessa screamed, sit down, Mr. Castor. You don't know crap. Norma, go up to front and teach that little pipsqueak how to do this algebra. <clears throat> As Mr. Castor moved to the sidelines like some dejected player, Norma got up and began her slow walk up to the blackboard. Have, have you ever seen a river curve back on itself? That was Norma as she walked on the edge of the classroom. She was heavy with white petticoats as she questioned, What you want to know, Sonia? Indeed, what did I want to know? It was also very simple. I just wanted to know how to factor the problems so I could do my homework, nothing else. I had a father waiting for me at home who would take no excuses concerning homework. He said, the teachers are there. If you don't know, ask them. They know the answers. He didn't know Mr. Castor, though. As I asked this question, she sighed and explained the factoring process in such an easy manner. I wrote it all down and closed my math notebook. I could do my homework now. There would be no problem with the family. Norma was still at the blackboard. She hadn't moved, and I knew that she was waiting for Lewis to say something. Lewis was the other brain in the class. They were always discussing some complex math problem. As if on cue, Lewis called out a more difficult question. She smiled. The smile ripened on her mouth like pomegranates. Her fingers danced across the board. I watched her face. I was transfixed by her face that torpedoed the room with brilliance. She pirouetted problem after problem on the blackboard. We all thought, genius. Norma is a mathematical genius. I used to smile at Norma, and sometimes she smiled back. She was the only one in the group who spoke to pipsqueaks sitting up front. The others spoke, but it was usually a command of sorts. Norma would sometimes shake off her friends and sit down with the pipsqueaks and talk about the South. She was from Mississippi. She ordained us all with her red clay Mississippi talk. Her voice thawed us out from the merciless cold studying the hallways. Most of the time, though, she laughed, only with her teeth. One day, Norma called out a question in our French class. I understood part of the question. French was my favorite class. Miss Lefebvre was startled. She was a hunchback who swallowed her words, so it was always difficult to understand her, but Norman's words were clear. Miss Lefebvre spoke her well-digested English. No rudeness, please, Norma. You're being disrespectful. I shall not tolerate this. Norma continued the conversation in French. Her accent was beautiful. I listened while her words fell like mangoes from her lips. The people laughed. Talk that talk, Norma. Go on, girl. Keep on doing it, whatever you're saying. Mayhem. The smell of mayhem stalked the room.
I wonder if the people would all lock us in the closet again. Miss Lefebvre screamed, Silence! Silence! Savages! How dare you ask me about my affliction? It is none of your business. As she talked, her large owl head bobbed up and down on her waist. I wondered if she had trouble each night taking off her black dress. Her head was so large. Norma stood up and started to pack her books. The noise subsided. She walked to the door, turned, and said, I just wanted to talk to you in your own language so you wouldn't be so lonely. You always look so lonely up there behind your desk. But screw you, you old bitch. You can go straight to hell for all I care, hunchback and all. She exited. The others followed, dragging their feet and mumbling black morning words. Miss Lefebvre stood like a lizard gathered in the sun. I never liked the class after that. I still got good grades, but Norma, when she came to the French class, just sat and watched us struggle with our accents in amusement. I wonder what she did after school. I wondered if she ever studied. George Washington High School was difficult. Our teachers had not prepared us for high school. The first year was catch-up time. My sister and I spent long nights in our small room reading and studying our material. I don't remember who it was. It was announced one day at lunchtime that Norma was pregnant. She had been dismissed from school. I had almost forgotten Norma, the mathematical genius. Norma, the linguist. The year had demanded so much work and old memories and faces had faded into the background. I was rushing to the library. The library had become my refuge during the summer of 55. As I turned the corner of 145th Street, I heard her hello. Her voice was like stale music in bar rooms. There she stood, Norma. Eyelids heavy, woman of four children with tracks running down her legs and arms. How you been be doing, Norma? You looking good, girl. I'm making it, Sonia. You really do look good, girl. Heard you went to Hunter College. Glad you made it. You should have gone too, Norma. You were the genius, the linguist. You were the brain. We just studied and got good grades. You were the one who understood it all. And I started to cry. On that summer afternoon, I heard a voice from very far away paddling me home to a country of incense, to a country of red clay. I heard her laughter dancing with fireflies. Tongue-tied by time and drugs, she smiled a funny smile and introduced me to her girls, four beautiful girls. Norma predicted that they would make it. They wouldn't be like their mother. They would begin with a single step. Then they would jump mountains. I agreed. She agreed. We agreed to meet again. Then I pulled myself up and turned away. Never to agree again.